It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roker Report recap podcast it's an editorial special today for all you lovely people and joining me on the old exiled maraz rich spate over in wheels how we doing rich i'm all right yeah yeah got a coffee so i'm, I'm happy man same in my scorpion mug provided by terrace <laughs> i don't know if any, nobody can see this i'm holding it up and mr worldwide himself martin wanless in australia as to kind of put it the other way i quite like that i'm gonna start every time you're on with me you're getting that treatment how are you doing mate i'm well gav how are you very, very good. We're ready to talk about a thrilling game of association football. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, it wasn't a bad game. And as I said on the Player Ratings podcast, we didn't play too badly. It was just a case of, you know, couldn't kill the game off, particularly in the first half. Um, if you're scratching your head and wondering why on earth did I click on this podcast, the, they're only going to talk about a game of League One footy that ended nil nil. then welcome. Yes, Sunderland travelled all the way to London to take on a Charlton side that we couldn't quite work out whether or not they'd be any good and it turned out they weren't very good. But first off, uh, I want to just give a shout out to the, the ladder climber lads who turned up yet again, this time at the top of a high rise block of flats to watch the match. Carl Green, yeah, one of the lads who was there. <laughs> Carl Green, one of the lads who was there, somebody I've known for a long time. I don't think he's missed a game in about 40 years, so it doesn't surprise <laughs> us that they've went to those lengths. Literally travelling to London, I don't know how they got up to the top of that block of flats, but they were there and they watched the game. Fair play to them. Have you ever went to such lengths, Martin, to watch Sunderland? I know you get up in the middle of the night. I, I've, yeah, I get up in the middle of the night and I, um, I travelled 16,000 kilometres each way to watch the the Czech Trade Trophy final for a long weekend, but I've never hmm. scaled a block of flats in, in London to, to be able to watch three quarters of a pitch. For well, a game. that's so, it. Um, yeah, no, credit I mean, to them. I love Sunderland, but I don't know if I love them that much. Like, it was great though on the on the I had to click on the Facebook post the guy put up of the photo, and his mum commented on it just kind of like with a an emoji like with a hand over the face, and he just went "fuck off, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him, I'll do what I want. Um, but yeah, anyways, the performance yesterday. Uh, it's safe to say that the response from the fans on social media, in particularly, were were mixed. Actually, Rich, uh, I'll start with you. We, are you happy with how we played and the fact we emerged with another clean sheet and another point? You know what, I am. I, I was quite impressed by Sunderland yesterday. And actually, mm. like particularly in the first half, it was one of the best halves of football I've seen us play for quite a long time in terms of the fluidity and actually some of the you know the passing moves and the interaction between the players. I thought it was really good. I thought, yeah, especially like the first 15, 20 minutes, we were completely and utterly dominant and not just that. Like The football was really neat. It was really... Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it was really impressive, some of the, the interplay. So yeah, I, it felt a lot quicker, didn't it? I think it's easy to be down on them from a performance 
like that. I think we were unlucky. Obviously, we missed some sitters, like. But the all-round play, I don't think you can complain in terms of the style and how entertaining it was. Because it was, I found it really entertaining, especially first kind of 60 minutes. thought the game was, was attractive to watch for once Yeah. in League One, which you can't see every week, really. Yeah. What do you put that down to, Martin? I don't know if you agree with Rich, but... What what do you think's changed just in the, in the in the two games? You know, obviously against um, against Peterborough, they were they obviously wanted the ball a lot more than Charlton, but it allowed Sunderland maybe to to express themselves a little bit more. But it did feel quicker, I felt. It did feel quicker, and I think maybe having Ledbetter in there and the team's almost kind of shaped itself around him since he's come back into the side. He's the, the sort of mm. focal point of the the whole team, really. I, I agree with Rich. I think I, I'm actually really happy with the performance and the and the result. To be honest, obviously yeah. we could have won the game. And we should have won the game. But, you know, to go away at Charlton, who have just come down, who were predicted to be up there at the end of the season, and to restrict them to no shots on target, I don't think Burge had a save to make, did he? No, no. Nine times out of ten, we win that game 2 or 3 nil. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I agree with Martin about Grant Ledbitter as well. I thought he just made everything tick, you know, especially, again, the first kind of first part of that first half. He really was, like, head and shoulders above anyone else on the pitch mm. in terms of the quality of his, his passing and, and his positioning as well. He is, yeah, was... like everyone's said repeatedly, he's got football intelligence that mm. um, you don't see that often in, in League One, so... My description was imperious at one point in the second half because he really was just dominating everyone. Yeah, I, to be honest, a friend of mine tweeted about half time. This is looking more and more like the Grant bit that we thought we were signing from Middlesbrough. It's a real renaissance, to be fair, isn't it? it? It's as though, you know, everything that we've heard about Grant and his personal life, it must have been taking a real toll on his game because there was a point last season. And I feel a little bit bad saying this, actually, but there was a point where I just felt like he needs to retire. Like his legs have gone, his head's not in the game, clearly. Um, but to his credit, he's really embraced the the break that we had in football, and is now you know come he's come back and he's 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 proven to be a real asset to the team. It's a nice bonus to be honest, because I don't think anybody at the start of the season thought Grand Ledbetter would be your your best midfield player at this stage. Well, it's it's a massive bonus him coming back into form, isn't it? Because he you know he looks fit. There was never mm. any doubt that he could pass the ball around and get stuck in, but he looks fit and he looks fit enough for League One. And last season, I think you know we we obviously all knew all the way through last season that he he had personal problems. But you you never know how how it's affecting somebody, do you? And you know the easy assumption to make until you know until he took a break, obviously before the rest of the team did. The assumption to make is you know he's thirty four year old, his, his legs are gone because you, you you don't really take anything else into account, but I think it's um, you know it's evident now looking at him play this season so far that everything that was going on in his personal life was taking a massive toll on him, and that, you know I, yeah. I'm absolutely thrilled that he's come back into the the team and he's performing the way he has. Because I think he's such an important character for us to have on firing on all cylinders as a, as a person as well as a player on the field, off the field. He he can be so important for us this season, mm. and it's it's almost like when Bracewell came back for that third spell under Peter Reid, you know his his legs had, had gone to an extent. Everybody thought he was. He was finished and nobody really expected to play that much. Come back as, as assistant manager and um, player assistant manager to Peter Reid. And he was our best player for two two seasons. Yeah, yeah. It reminds so, me a little bit of, of Dwight York as well, you know, similar type of thing. But just having that nous and that intelligence to yeah. to play around in your way. We saw yesterday when we went down to 10 men, he was barking orders, everybody in the field, getting people in, into the right shape and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he must have thought the writing was on the wall to some extent when, when Parkinson took the captaincy off him at the start of the season. But, you know, mm. all credit to him. He's performed brilliantly. 
he is the type of player we have to build the side around, though. He can't just come in and slot into one of the roles that somebody else was doing. I don't think he's got to sit a little bit deeper. And I think that's why Gooch has been put in alongside him for, for yeah. legs. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, it's, it's great. It's a bonus. Yeah. When you consider the, the, the characters in the dressing room when Grant came in, I mean, I think it may be in the pre-match build-up, actually, but I think it was Scott Wilson from The Echo talking about how um, Grant Ledbetter is probably the quietest uh, leader he's ever interviewed. And I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was I was thinking, well, when you think about it, when Ledbetter first came back to Sunderland, you had Catamole, you had Aid McGeady. There was players at the club big who, who'd either captained other teams or had been at the club a long time and had, be, had grown into positions of influence. I mean, obviously, Catamole ran the dressing room. Now, obviously, Ledbit as the the remaining player from that group, he's the oldest head in the in the changing room. And I guess when he first came in, it was probably difficult to assert some sort of dominance, as daft as that sounds, because he's not the type. I can't imagine Grant Ledbit as the type of person to throw his weight around in an argument. He's a very unassuming person, but I can see how the other players look up to him. I can't. One of the youngsters on Twitter this week was re- retweeting stuff about Ledbit as kind of like fawning over him, and um, <laughs> it made us think. It was like the young players probably do look up to Grant because he's he's mm-hmm. trod that same path um and hopefully it means he's, he's he's actually grown into the role we thought he would he would take take on when he did come to the club yeah anyways let's move on a little bit to yeah the defense i wanted to talk about the defense from yesterday um on the ratings pod when i was talking with malk and tom we gave big props to the defense to be fair um rich just how important is it do you think that we keep on getting these clean sheets because we, we don't score a lot and as we all know wickham clean sheeted their way at the promotion last season albeit under strange circumstances just how important do you think that this could be come come whenever the season ends you know it's absolutely vital i mean i don't think we should forget that we're unbeaten basically this season apart from a penalty shout, shootout and we've conceded what one goal, one goal from one goal and it was a penalty uh, from a penalty so yeah. i mean you can't you really can't ask for more and i thought you know everyone is uh quite rightly going on about bailey Wright, but i thought jordan willis deserves a special credit from yesterday hmm. i think there's a there's a nice picture going around on social media of him a clearing header right towards the end of the game yeah where that, yeah. where really they could have nicked one um mm. and it was top quality defending and also i thought like um i was mentioning earlier the inter- the interplay down that right hand side he really does you know join in and drive the team forward at points as well so i think the the overall performance of the defense as a unit and actually the way that they work and the way that parkinson's got them set up is a great foundation and i and i i mean i do kind of agree with what parkinson said yesterday and what scowen said yesterday after the match in terms of like that's absolutely vitally important and that the goals hopefully will come i know we'll probably come on to it you know if we if we're leaking at the back then you know there might be pressure on the on the forwards now but if we were leaking out the back as well it would be it would be doubled so i think for the for the whole team and and for kind of the sense of confidence and it did seem like there was a, a lot of confidence in that first half from the team i think it, it was built from the back that mm-hmm. you know the the players in front of them know that you know they, they can have a bit of freedom scone can kind of roam forward without necessarily always having to check you know the space he's leaving behind him yeah who that that's an important point actually martin who do you think comes out the game with the credit for not just the the performance yesterday obviously but the clean sheets we're, we're keeping is it the players is it parkinson is it is it a combination i mean what would you if you could put your finger on it what do you think is the main reason for this upturn in, in, in defensive improvement well I, th- I think there's two things one i think it's you know i think we do have to give a lot of credit to parkinson because you know a criticism that i had um of, of jack ross's tenure here was that we never really had a style of play 
you couldn't put your finger on and go right that's what Sunderland are trying to do that's mm-hmm. the the structure that we're playing and you know when as soon as Parkinson's come in I know you can you can rightly criticize that, that first two two or three months he had with us but since January he's played that formation and we've looked solid and more and more solid as time's gone on so I think it's all credit to Parkinson for getting us that foundation that we can hopefully build on throughout the season with a few tweaks but you know last season we had Ozturk in that central role for a lot of um, a lot of time we've upgraded three or four levels with Bailey Wright haven't we yeah so I think you know the combination of getting the right players in a good system you know it sounds obvious but it's crucial isn't it and even if you think back to when Allardyce was managing you know the first three or four months Allardyce had he just concentrated on making us hard hard to beat Mm -hmm. you know getting that really solid because it's it's easy to my mind it's always easy to build from a a solid base where you're not conceding many and build a team from there rather than trying to tighten up a team who's scoring those but letting the a ton in at the other end as well so um i think parkinson i and I, I i didn't want parkinson's manager and i've still got doubts over him longer term but i think he deserves a lot of credit for putting that system in getting the players organized and mm. i think you know it's really evident isn't it you can see everybody kind of knows what the job is you yeah. see that they all know what they're supposed to be doing you know even like the wing from the wing backs to say when when Ledbit is in there the three center half when willis is overlapping they've all got purpose no, I think like, there's to me there's so many positive signs from these opening games. I think um, yeah, hopefully with a few tweaks we'll we'll be all right. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw Richard Keys the video going around on social media of him talking about how um, Pep Guardiola should bring Sam Allardyce in as coaches defenders. Maybe he wants to look at uh, Phil Parkinson. You know, <laughs> could could be a, could Parkiola. be a job in it for yeah. Why not? Rich, I was going to go on next to talk about the red card from uh, Tom Flanagan. I've I don't know if you've seen it back. As much as I have, but I've watched it back probably four or five times, and I still can't work out what went wrong there. Um, it kind of looks as though he takes the, takes the last man as a take one for the team. But when you look at the way the, the ball flies over, kind of Jordan Wills has run with his he's running towards goal, so he's not he's not in a position to help us defensively, which sort of drags Flanagan out of position to try and try and sweep in and cover for him, which then causes the problem, which is the player running through on goal and Flanagan getting sent off. I'm, whose fault? Is that is it Flanagan's fault for 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 being slow to read what was going on, or is it Willis for kind of taking his eye off the ball? I know, like I say, we've we've praised the defenders, but I think that's the one massive issue from the defensive performance was the way we dealt with that situation. Yeah, I mean, it is it's ironic, isn't it? You know, they were a little bit out sorts in defence the whole game, and they didn't get punished. And the one time that we muck up a little bit, we you know. We get punished with the red card, we didn't get punished with the with a shot on target. But personally, in that situation, I really think it was Flanagan Flanagan's mistake. I thought mm-hmm. rather than tracking with the runner, he came across him and clipped him. Once he'd once he'd made that movement, I don't think I had any choice but to clip him. But I I think he, he probably could have gone with him. Uh, but I, I think it was a it was a failing collectively. You know, that system, everyone's dependent upon one another. If one person moves, um, you know, makes the wrong move, then it creates space and it creates a problem that that another has to cover. So mm. it showed it showed that it's not perfect, but it's it's League One, isn't it? You're not gonna get a completely mistake free performance from the defence. I don't think you can necessarily blame Tom Flanagan for the for the red card. He kinda had to do it. His his performance overall all wasn't as good as it has been, but I don't think you can kind of be too harsh on him for that. It it wasn't a great bit of defending, which is why it was a foul and why it was a red card. Otherwise he wouldn't have done it. But yeah. 
I, you know, I've, I've struggled to hammer him for it, really. Although it did, it did kill the performance in the end. That was kind of the end of the game, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, Arbinet Jamali comes in for Flanagan. Then, obviously, Martin, are you looking forward to watching that? Do you think we'll miss Tom Flanagan? I think we will. I think he's been good this season, hasn't he? I think he's, um, I think he's quite good in that sort of left-sided role because it's there's not as much defensive um, responsibility as the the was when he's playing in the two, and it kind of allows him mm. to sort of bring the ball. His, pa- his passing was crappy yesterday, wasn't it? But he's um, yeah, yeah, and. and I think it's been all right the last few weeks. It's it just has. yesterday, every nothing he nothing he attempted from from in terms of his long to short mid range passing, and nothing seemed to work. He's on a task those days, doesn't he? Where just nothing nothing comes yeah, up. For him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I think you know, given that we we were kind of expecting him to maybe be a, a backup to somebody in that back three this season, and um, Jamajali to to come in. I think he's I think he's done well so far. I think he's had a good good season so far. I think um, Jamajali will come in as long as he doesn't get injured on international duty. Um, Don't say he's, he's away. <laughs> You've said it now. You've said it now. <laughs> um, but now it'll be interesting to see him play, won't it? But um, I, I would expect he'll come in for a game and Flanagan will, will get his place back because it, it wasn't a stupid sending off. I don't think he was really at fault. He had to kind of do it. Yeah, he'd been put in a position where he he was the last covering defender. And look, of course, a, a better defender is going to you know either go with the fella or or get a tackle in. But you know, Tom Flanagan's a, a good League One defender. He's not a Premier League player. Mm. Um, I think he just had to take one for the team. Yeah. What about you, Richard? You looking forward to seeing what Jamali can do? Um, I am. To be honest, I was happy to see us sign them, and I think it was going to take something like this, either an injury or a red card, for him to actually get a chance. And it just seems to have worked out fairly well for him. That it was the man who's actually playing in his position on the left of the three who's going to miss out. You know, so he. I do, does it, by the way, before you get started, does anybody know if it's a one or a three game ban? Because I wasn't sure on that. I think it's a one for a professional foul, yeah. I think he's on international duty on Tuesday. Well, freaking hell. Have we got any defenders left? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Flanagan gone. Connor McLaughlin gone, I presume. Well, yeah, I think, I think McLaughlin, um, Flanagan and Jamadjali are away for Tuesday night. I heard um, Parkinson say. Mm. So that'll be probably... Brandon Taylor, Taylor coming Taylor. in at the back three. All right. Be interesting. Um, yeah. You might try a different formation, mightn't you? No, no. <laughs> this is Phil Parkinson. Nah, nah. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it in his head now. This is all we're ever going to do. That works. Um, that works. Yeah. Speaking of Phil Parkinson, actually, in his SEFC.com interview yesterday, uh, he was pretty blunt in saying Charlton off had nothing in the way of a threat. To be fair, he was right, wasn't he? They did, like you said mm. before, they didn't. They didn't have a shot. Is that down to them being bad or us being fairly good? Do you think, Rich? I thought they were very easy for us to contain. They didn't seem to have much going forward. I think um, the the commentators are saying there's quite a big gap between their attack and their midfield. Their forward seemed quite isolated, and I, and I, and I have to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, they, they just didn't get the chance. I, I saw the possession statistics were a little bit surprising that they had 51% of possession because it really didn't feel like that in the game. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm, I've just funny you said that. I've just brought it up. Um, the the stats which are on Google and they could be wrong. Um, say they had fifty six percent of the ball, which and made nearly a hundred more passes than we did. It really and didn't had a feel like pass that. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't. Maybe it was the second half when because they did play for fifteen minutes with an extra player. Mm-hmm. Maybe that skews the stats a little bit. But in the first half, it felt like they were just happy for us to have the ball. Danny Collins talked quite a lot about it on the commentary of the game. You, you mm-hmm. know, he, where they were basically just happy to sit behind the ball and let Sunderland dictate the play and it, it benefited Ledbetter a lot because he, he had mm-hmm. all the time in the world to do what he wanted. Well, that was the that was one of the, my big takeaways from our performance and, and from when we were in possession was just the amount of space that we had and the amount of time on the ball and a lot of that obviously was created by some of the triangles that we were playing 
and um, moving into space. But there were there were points when Scowen, when Ledbetter had like 20 yards of space around them. They could pick pick mm. their pass with no pressure on it. So I, I thought it was really lacklustre from Charlton. Obviously, they've got a lot of kind of off-field wranglings that are just about being sorted out and haven't had much time to kind of pull things together. But I thought it was strange performance from them when on paper they have got players who could hurt you could do something so mm. yeah I, 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 but you can't separate it out from the fact that we played with with confidence and with kind of authority and we just didn't let them we can kind of criticize charlton but really it's it's a positive for us that we were able to look pretty much untroubled for 90 minutes against a team that has just come down from the championship in what was you know that i i felt a bit unlucky to end up uh, relegated tell you what though if, if if the situation was reversed and we just come down playing against a team who would would beaten in the playoff final a couple of years before and who'd been in, in that division for three years we would be absolutely scathing about that performance as a home side they, they yeah. were crap oh they no were they, crap. Weren't, they weren't they weren't very good i just don't think we give them the chance to be any good no i, I think you know there's, there's an element of us being decent in, in that game and good in that game but i thought they were absolutely awful and you know i, th- I think they will probably pick up this season and um you know we we did leave two points on the table Martin Parkey said post-match he felt we were, were more dynamic and got the ball forward quicker. I know I said at the start about us playing on the front foot a little bit more. Would you agree with that assessment? I mean, I was going to ask this. Do you think it's maybe the inclusion of Gucci in the midfield? I know he didn't have the best first half. And I think it was Rich who said before that maybe playing Gucci alongside Ledbetter was to get some legs in and around him. Um, but what do you think about Linden playing in, in the midfield? Because I think the whole reason that we were able to to play with a little bit more dynamism and pace, particularly in the second half, was because of him. Well, I think if, if you look at the game so far this season, I think we've we've played better in the second half against Bristol Rovers and the second half against Oxford for mm. spells against Peter Britton. You know, on Saturday was the first game that we actually started off well. So I think we, we started the game well. And I, I do, like, we played quicker. We played with, with more purpose and more intent. And mm. I think, like, I, I've been surprised about Gucci's position. You know, obviously Parkinson moved him into the centre midfield when Maguire went off against Peterborough. And he started them there on, on Saturday, didn't he? And mm. I, I think the whole purpose of... I, I can understand this from a, a tactical point of view because the whole purpose is when we get on that counter, you've got somebody in the centre midfield who can carry the ball 20 or 30 yards, who can get up close to the, the forwards because previously we've had a, too much of a gap between the midfield and the, the strikers. And we've, mm-hmm. we've left the strikers... You know, up by themselves, and we haven't been able to get around them quick enough. So, from from that perspective, I think if 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 Gooch is used in the right way in that position, he can be effective. The issue that you've got with him is he's not the um the most reliable um player in in tight positions. He'll he'll try something rather than playing it safe. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw a couple of times yesterday where he lost the ball and he put us in a a spot of bother with a, a counter attack from Charlton. So I can understand this, when, especially when Ledbet as in the team said earlier, you get Gooch alongside him, it gives him legs. And you've got somebody who can carry that ball um, with pace to, to get us up the field. Yeah, and Josh Gorn as well. Obviously, Rich, he's another one. He, playing a similar role to, to Linden, really, is somebody who can carry the ball um, mm-hmm. and create from deep. I was actually expecting him to come out of the team. I'm surprised that Max Power was on the bench. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm actually happy that Partinson kept faith with him because he offers so, something a little bit different, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you heard him talking yesterday after the match he kind of concurred with what Partinson said in in previous comments about who he's competing with for a place in the side and it's much more Chris Maguire than kind of Grant Ledbetter or Max Power who I think are actually competing against one another for that more more deep lying 
midfield position. But I mean, as much as we've talked about kind of Parkinson having a set formation, I think that's only true in terms of like the uh, defensively when we haven't got the ball. I think what's been interesting over the four games is actually the 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 difference between how we set up the midfields, the midfield and the 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 forward line and the interaction between the two. Mm-hmm. I think. Obviously, having led in as that kind of pivot in the in the centre, deep lying gives a bit of freedom to the whichever two players play in front of him. And I think Gooch and and, and Scowan are perfect for that on on either side. You know, not to discount the value of um, having Chris Maguire in the side because he didn't always do something and he's still popping up with goals. But I thought again, particularly in the first half, having Ian O'Brien there as well, who who has a bit of class on the ball and and can kind of can move the ball and, and run with it as well gives us a lot of options and we're quite fluid and and having two up top I think works really nicely with those two midfielders behind them with Gooch and and Scowan behind them we've got legs and a bit of creativity and I think as somebody has pointed out on social media we're not failing to create chances you know we we are there are opportunities coming the way of the strikers I'm I'm sure we'll move on to it but I don't think the fault is lying in the midfield at all. No, yeah, well, we'll get on to the strikers actually, Martin. But the before we do, just a, a word on the the improvement really in our all round play. I've seen a lot of people say that the felt yesterday was probably the best we've actually played over a, a ninety minute period this season. Would you agree with that assessment? Do you think that in terms of the actual football, that's as as well as Sunderland have played or best? Um, yeah, I think it's our, it's our best league performance of the season. I think um, you know we, we might have turned in a, a better performance in in the whole game in the League Cup. The difficulty is we we don't know how good these teams are going to be come the come the end of the season who we're playing against. You know, on, on paper we kind of mm-hmm. think that you know Charlton, Peterborough, <laughs> Oxford are going to be up there, but you know they they could end up having crap seasons. And yeah, we've got yeah. you know they haven't played for you know we haven't played for six months. Um, Peter haven't played for six months. Oxford haven't played. Well, Oxford finished the season off in the playoffs, didn't they? But you know, we, we just don't like the, none of them have impressed me. Importantly, the three of them have all lost the best players. Well, that's right. Yeah. So you know, they, they could all end up mid-table. And mm-hmm. on, while on paper at the start of the season, you look at that that start and think, but yeah, that's hard. It could actually end up being that you know those three teams are nowhere near the the chasing pack. So I think you know we we need to look at those results against those teams with a a little bit of not skepticism, but just being a little bit reserved in terms of how important important those um taking the points off those teams and how impressive those results are going to look come the end of the season yeah but absolutely it's 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 the best 90 minutes we've put well it's the best 75 minutes we've put in i think hey, even even that last 15 minutes though we didn't look like a team of 10 men yeah yeah in, in a different way like to be fair charlie white couldn't should have got on the end of um that nice move down the left with with human gooch shouldn't he and we, yeah. we could be talking Definitely. about a, a 1-0 win with with 10 men so Look, I, I'm, I'm, as I said before, I'm really happy with the, the performance yesterday and you know, happy with the, the result. Mm, that segues us on nicely to the next topic, which is the strikers, Rich. Charlie Wyke, as um, as Martin said, had one thing to do and didn't do it, but we're not mm. shocked there. Um, Danny Graham had a number of chances, couldn't put the ball away, but did get himself into good positions. Aidan O'Brien, had a, a, so there were some mixed reviews about his performance. Will Grigg came on and had to go on the right wing, so it's probably a bit difficult to judge him. And it does feel 
feel like Parkinson's probably not keen on Will Grigg because he's not the type of striker he would traditionally back. Um, we do seem to have this debate every week, but are we concerned still about the strikers, or was there was was there anything in that to make you think you know maybe even Danny Graham give him a run of games, he could be the man going forward to lead the line. Well, I I thought it was a really strange decision to change both strikers at the same time on mm-hmm. what, sixty four minutes. My note a few minutes after was this has completely killed the fluidity of the the system that we stopped playing football. I don't know whether that's just an automatic reaction of wanting to lump the ball up to Charlie Wyke so I wasn't impressed with that uh, earlier in the game I was impressed with with O'Brien and and Graham I know they got themselves in a bit of a, a mix up on about 35 minutes where it looked like they should be through and it took about four chances not to score but overall personally I, I can see how Graham and O'Brien would be a good combination. I think they just need to stick the ball in the back of the net once or twice. I think uh, mm. there seems to be a, a consistent theme that you know it's it's the, it's the confidence with with those two in particular. And actually, I thought when Grigg came on, I thought he worked. He seemed to work really hard, and he seemed to mm. offer something similar to what O'Brien did. But I don't think you can compare Danny Graham and Charlie White as as footballers. I think no. Graham. I mean, I've seen it a few times. It's terrible miss that on forty one with uh, the the crossover from from Scow and he really should have put it in and I don't quite know how he didn't but overall I think as a someone contributing to the style of play and the overall system I think Graham works much better but it is just about putting the ball in the back of the net in the end mm-hmm. that's their that's their job and that's what you've got to judge their performance on yeah but yeah yeah just to just to expand on that Martin I'm keen to grab your views on it um I argued both during and after the game on Twitter that whilst Graham did miss a load of sitters his movement and his ability to get into the areas where he can actually be a threat was pretty promising to be honest and as Rich has just said, um, he's a he's a different caliber of forward to Charlie White. I don't you don't see Charlie White getting in those positions, for instance. Um, you know, others are writing him off already, on, and that, that's just natural with Sunderland fans, particularly when it comes to Danny Graham. There's there's a lot of people who still can't let go of the fact he was crap when he was here last time. Um, personally, I think we should persist with them. Others think just sign another striker. And my again, I argue this with a couple of folk. We can't just go and sign a new player every time that we'll have this problem. We've signed two strikers this summer in O'Brien and Graham. And all right, it hasn't worked particularly well yet. But there has to have been signs there yesterday from Graham's performance to suggest that if you actually give him a run of games, and I'm I'm not talking like two games out of the team, one game, like he has to play five, six, seven, eight games because if you look at his career trajectory, he's like a one in three, one in four striker. And that's playing regularly. That's not being a bit part player. That's like playing every week for Blackburn. He was scoring goals, enough goals to get teams promoted. Uh, what, what, where do you fall on on that line? Are you are you still behind Graham? Are you behind the decision to to maybe give him a, a run of games, or do you think there's probably something else we could be doing? I think um, I think whoever we he decides to go with has got to be given seventy eight games in in a row. And I think while it's it's good to have that variation of you know we've kind of seen White up front by himself. We've seen O'Brien and Greg. We've seen Graham and, and O'Brien now yesterday. He's just got to settle on something and go. Okay, well this is how we're going to play because the the strikers can only be as good as the the service that they get. Now you know obviously Graham had had decent service in in parts of the game yesterday, but there's there's still a lack of variation. I think this is 
where we were not quite clicking yet this is a lack of variation in the delivery into the box and you know 85 90 percent of the balls that went into the box were crosses in from either wing and you're getting into that channel and whipping the cross in and you know that sort of cross relies on your target man being a target man who plays with his head to goal rather than his back to goal and i think both graham and wyke tend to play with the back to goal that's that's where they are the target man with the back to goal laid off and, and move and mm-hmm. you know we, we haven't got that thundering um, target man who will come in and take three defenders out flying a header in the top corner so we no. we need that variation in the box and i think you know with with o'brien you've got somebody who you can play it in, in into tight positions in the box to, to his feet and he can hold it and lay it off and and bring other people in um i i, I do have cons I, I don't see a striker that we have who's going to score more than you know 10 11 12 goals this season for us i just don't you know mm-hmm. I, I don't, even if they get a good run of games the the obvious exception on on track record there is grig but um you know he's he's just not clicking you know as you said i just don't think parkinson fancies him um and you know you, you've kind of got to play a slightly different system to get the best out of grig and um it's just not looking likely is it so i think you know no. I, I would i tell you i'd love to see a, a fast center forward who plays on the last man who we can bring on bring off off the bench with you know 20 minutes left to stretch them a, a bit because we just don't have any pace up front and i think that's no. where you kind of look at okay in, in terms of attributes you've got o'brien who can take it and play it and you know he's got a bit of, of skill a nice touch you've got graham who'll hold it up you've got greg who can potentially poach around, around the box like white for me i would just ship him out he's just not going to do it and we've got a far better target man in graham do you think that benji can be uh, signing a contract you know which has been on the table for a long time that might have an impact there he might be somebody who can be on the bench and come on in the last 20 and 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 cause tiring defenders tiring midfields a, a bit of a of a problem and be something different that kind of like wild card oh, i'll tell you I what like, yeah. if, you, if you look at the game yesterday i would much rather chuck kim bioker on Mm-hmm. I'd much rather chuck him on than put Charlie White on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was going to get onto that a bit later, but we might as well talk about it now. Benji Kimbioga. Just answer what Rich said there. I think I agree in a sense. I think with what Martin said, we don't have that option up top. And mm-hmm. as unpredictable as Kimbioga can be, he is a bit raw and you don't really know what you're going to get from him. There are times when you need a player like that to pick from. Problem is, mm-hmm. is we have actually got one on the bench more often than not. And Jack Diamond, I know he's not a centre forward, but Party doesn't seem to be. I don't. I'm not going to say he's not sold on him, but there's just something about Parkinson and his track record that suggests he doesn't. He doesn't see a lot in young players, or doesn't. It 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 take. It's going to have to take something pretty special for him to give a young player a chance. So there is that to think about. Kimp York has spent so long away from the club. This lad Diamond's been out on loan. He's he's proven himself on loan. He's been brilliant in preseason, and he still can't get on the pitch. I think you the know? issue with with Diamond that we we've got is also as as well as Parkinson's hesitation to play younger players. We actually don't play. A system with his position in it you know we, we've yeah. talked about you know in, in pre-season he was used as a bloody wing back and you know to he, he needs to get on on the pitch in a in a wide attacking position and, and yesterday yeah. if we hadn't made those two subs it would have been perfect for him to come on and just play on that right hand side and just try to stretch them on the counter but because we've just mm. brought Grig on and Wyke on he, 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 he wouldn't do it yeah are you happy to see Benji back Rich are you do you think that's a good move from the club I know a lot of people weren't sold on the idea on social media I saw people 
people a lot of people were quite pissed off the club had actually given him a contract. But for me, I was I was happy to see him back. Like I say, I think he's I think he's just a young lad who you've mm. got to you've got to give him a fair crack of the whip. And people seem to think they know everything that's gone on with him, but really we don't. We're fans. We only hear what we see played out mm. in the media. And I know he was on our podcast. He didn't go into it into great depth, and people can listen back to that. It might be interesting actually for people to listen back to him now he's signed. But yeah, he's just a young boy, isn't he? And he's he, we've given him a deal which favours the club. So are you happy to see him back? I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously, the, there's an element where he's, he's a young lad who's come through our system and doesn't count towards the salary cap. Uh, there's that. But if yeah. if you're going to argue that, then he has to get time on the pitch in the in the first team. Otherwise, he's, you know, all right, he'll be playing for the under-23s, but that's not going to get us up through the up through the leagues as a club. So I, I'm glad to see a lad who's, who's been with the club sign back with us again. And, you know, he, he's, he's got something. You know, some people haven't been impressed at all with him, but he's clearly got some talent there. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be wouldn't have been offered a contract, or you would hope. But yeah, I d- what worries me is the the lack of kind of willingness to take risks um, from Parkinson when it comes to bringing players on, and whether he will actually get the opportunities. Because you know, I, I I'm still confused, as I said earlier, by that that substitution midway through the the, the second half. It seemed to be. <sighs> so cautious and kind of it lacked it lacked kind of kind of creativity and you know i i actually thought that was a a really pragmatic substitution in terms of the fact that you know as a as a team of of nine with the goalkeeper and the the other eight outfield players we actually done pretty well up to that 30 yard mark and we had missed chances so you kind of go okay well if you if you change the forwards that's the key to getting the goal because everyone else in the team's doing the job. But I think my point was that I can't I can't see him ever getting to the point where he'd bring on a Kimbioga or, or a Jack Diamond, someone someone who would he, he was bringing on two similar players for for the you know players <laughs> who were already on the pitch and I think somebody like Parkinson right you're gonna, there's going to be two scenarios where he gives a young player a chance one we're winning five nil and gives him twenty minutes or two. We're losing a really important game two 0 and he's tried everything else. Mm. Right? And even then, I don't think he's he's just a yeah. If you look, and it's not just that Sunderland, but no, if you look not. back at his career, he just doesn't give chances to young players. So that's why I can see from above Parkinson's head why why this deal makes a bit of sense because discounting the fact Phil Parkinson's the manager, the club have got to look at it and think he has a lad who's. He's a Sweden under twenty one international. If any other club wants to sign him, then they've got to pay Sunderland compensation in the same way we had to pay the Swiss team compensation for Jamali. Clubs would have to pay us for Kemp York, and the the deal itself makes a lot of sense from the club on the balance sheet. Basically, it's a risk. It's it, it's a small wage to a player who might might improve the team, might go out on loan, and I'll get onto that. I might ask you about that, but I mean, if he goes out on loan somewhere and does really well, and then comes back, and we've got a in the club's favour, we have an extra year extension there, so we can just give him a year at the end of the season, and that's in our favour. That's agreed. So, say he gets to January, he he hasn't made an impact on the first team. We send him to say Harrogate. He goes and gets six or seven goals in League Two, and we extend the deal. Then it's risk free, isn't it? You know, it it mm. it makes a lot of sense in that. And if it doesn't work out, then he would just get rid of him and he goes oh, and does his it. thing for somebody else. Um, I, I don't understand how. The the only reason that you can understand people being pissed off about it is you've, you've got somebody who had a contract on the table for so long dicked around didn't want to sign it for whatever reason and I'm, you know, I'm sure there's good reasons on both sides and now with a worldwide pandemic he can't get another club so he's come back so from that point yeah. of view you can kind of go okay well you know it's, it's almost last resort 
can't get a deal elsewhere, I'm going to go back and take it. So, you know, I, I can understand from that perspective why people wouldn't necessarily be, be overjoyed with him coming back. But on a football level, as you say, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. And it's risk-free. And, it, you know, he, he does potentially offer something that we just don't have in the squad. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Uh, right, so we'll move on then. We'll go on to... I was just going to round off the, the, the discussion on the game, really, um, and look back at the start of the season, which we've we've played four games in the league, two wins, two draws, were unbeaten, as we said earlier. Uh, conceded just once, a penalty. Scored only four goals, though, but we have went into the striking problems and you know, maybe where we can improve there. But that is two points per game. Traditionally, that's the target clubs aim for. If they want to get automatic promotion over a forty-six game season, you need to, you need to be at or around two points a game. Um, are we happy? I mean, I know we're sat I think fourth right now, but you can't really take too much from four games. The league table doesn't mean a lot in terms of Sunderland. That's a pretty decent rap sheet. I think if anybody had read that out to you, um, maybe after the whole game and said four games in, you're going to be unbeaten. You're going to concede one goal and it'll have been a penalty. After you've played Oxford, Charlton, Peterborough, you would have been happy, wouldn't you? Definitely, yeah. I I really don't think we can. We've got much grounds for for complaint um, as a fan base in terms of the the performance on the pitch. Obviously, there's a lot of other things we might complain about, but um, uh, I I think it's going pretty much to plan so far. Obviously, other than the things we've talked about in terms of sticking the in the ball the ball in the uh, in the onion net. So it, yeah, I I I'm pleased and like like I said earlier um I was pleasantly surprised with the style of player yesterday um and I think there's this characterization of of kind of Parkinson style of players as is hoofball but I think that's dependent upon the options that are on the pitch up front so in a few games so far this season I've been impressed with the the interplay and and particularly the midfield performance as we've discussed and and I think the major the major positive to take away is you know the 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 reemergence of Leadbitter and and also the the leadership and professionalism that you see amongst some of the the senior players in the team and and the fact that they can carry you know they can carry the team through a, a fifteen minute period with ten men pretty comfortably and mm. um, I think these things are really positive when you look at in in the long term so I mean I'm optimistic I was optimistic at the beginning of the season and I think so far they've they've lived up to that optimism yeah how about you Martin are you are you feeling good about where we're at right now I mean it's a it's disappointing that we don't play another league game till the seventeenth so clubs are going to get a jump on Sunday next weekend in that sense but I mean in isolation it's a decent start isn't it I think it's a great start obviously like we could have we could have easily been another four points better off easily mm. we could have easily should have beaten Bristol Rovers and we should have beaten Charlton but um, you know start the season look at those four games eight points out of those thank you very much no goals conceded from open play and like we, we've only scored one goal from a, a set piece and like that that was a big um, factor in, in our goal scoring you know towards the end of last season you know yeah. like, we haven't hit the straps with, with set pieces so like, there's still a lot of potential to be to be realised attacking wise, but again we've got such a solid base. Eight points out of out of the first four games. Good start. Hmm. Uh, right. Okay. We'll move on then. Other stuff that happened this week. Transfers. Rich. Um. I think the window doesn't. I think the window might close before we next play in the league. Actually. Um. I know. In the, I think it's the sixteenth. I might be wrong. Yeah. Um. It's around that time, anyways. After the game, Parky said we aren't going to get much better front players than what we've got when talking about transfers. He also said before the match, and he's pretty much presser that he'd only sign a young player on loan if he felt they were better than what we've got, and he specifically referred to Jack Dyne 
Diamond when he was talking about that. Nothing seems particularly imminent, does it? I mean, I know no. um, we were linked with Badjamich, the Argentinian winger, but he's since signed for Houston Dynamos, which everyone expected would be the case. Yeah, it doesn't feel as though Parky's particularly bothered about signing anyone, I think. I don't, I don't think we will. And if we do, it'll be somebody on the margins, maybe a, a, a left-back. I mean, I I am very nervous um, about what would happen if Denver Hume picked up an injury. I can't... I, I, I mean, I'll go through the squad. I can't see who we would bring in there, necessarily. Maybe a diamond. Yeah. But even then, they're not, they're not left-wing. We're not talking them. about people who've got any experience in that position in this league. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous about that. And I would like them to bring in somebody maybe with a, a maybe a little bit of an older head maybe somebody who gives a, a bit more solidity for games when we might come up against sides to might actually play because they're over the age of 30 well yeah. <laughs> well exactly but I mean I'm just thinking about what Martin said earlier about we don't know who the good teams in this league are yet and there could there, there could well come situations later in the season where we're coming up against a team that's been banging in three four goals um every week and we want maybe to change formation maybe go to a flat back four where Hume isn't going to be necessarily as comfortable as he is in in that kind of um that that five across the back so I'd I'd, I'd like to see us bring a, a left back in and then beyond that I think it'll be January looking to, to plug whatever holes have emerged in terms of people with long-term injuries or hmm. like people who really haven't um haven't impressed or the form has dropped right off but I, I don't see there being a a, a, a major sign and particularly as some of our kind of um maybe uh targets that fans wanted to see have gone have gone elsewhere madison in particular yeah would you be happy martin if we sign no more players and this is the squad going forward are you or would you be satisfied that this is a good enough squad to get us through to the next transfer window now well we need cover at left back i think that's that's patently obvious isn't it and i think um from a, an attacking point of view like what what else is parkinson going to say if, if he says after the match yesterday yeah we definitely need another striker we need somebody who's going to score us some goals and he doesn't get him one he looks stupid and two He's he's just knocked the confidence of all of the strikers. So he, he's not gonna mm. he's not gonna say that, regardless of, any, of what anybody thinks or how how true his, his comments are. Um, yeah. Loan market, I reckon you know we'll probably bring in one or two people in, in loan deals, um, just to sort of strengthen that that mm. squad. Um, yeah. But like hundred percent, we need cover for left back, don't we? I've um, I've been really impressed with Hume this season. I think it is bringing somebody who can push him for a place, not necessarily replace him. Probably when you think about and some of the stuff we've heard about the the, the way budget we don't really have much room left so it's gonna to have to be somebody under the age of 21 or a loanee um and again is a club gonna loan or a club gonna loan a left back to Sunderland knowing that we've already got our first choice player there playing well we're gonna struggle so I think it's gonna be a case of we might have to go out look down the leagues really maybe even a non-league and if there's somebody out there who could be worth like a punt for a little bit of money it might be the case that's what we do because you, yeah you've got to be realistic and think if you're a club maybe like a Premier League club or a championship club trying to get a young left back out on loan you're not going to send them to Sunderland they're not going to play it depends what you want out of it doesn't it because if you're know, if you looking for somebody to, to give a club to give somebody a bit of experience about being around the first team being second choice if somebody gets injured being able to train with the first team every day get away from the club where they might have been since they were 12 for the first time like there's mm. so many other benefits rather than playing week in week out no um, you're right you're right yeah. so I think, I think you know there's potential but that, that's why it'll probably be a move in the last day or two of the, the transfer window rather than something that'll happen now yeah, maybe when a club gets a bit knee jerky about getting a player out, and oh, that's right. yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see that playing out. Rich, are you um, 
I was going to ask you about this. Why, why do you think we haven't sold anyone or we haven't seen any clubs come in for our players? I know there's the obvious answer to that, which is that not many clubs are actually signing players, but it just feels strange to me that no, this is probably the first window I can remember in a long time where Sunderland just haven't seen any any of them, any of their players linked with a move away. Like everybody who you expected to leave left in the summer because of our contract and even the likes of 9 Willis, who you would think could maybe do a job in the Championship. Nobody, nobody is bothering why do you think that is? I do think it's it's structural in terms of the game. I don't I just yeah. don't think there's the money there for championship clubs um or, or other teams in League One to to pay fees for contracted players. Hmm. To be frank, and I think that's we, there's been a, a bit of talk about how Sunderland are one of the only teams in the league who offer kind of multi-year deals. I think Darren McAnthony was talking about it on our pod. Yeah, and so the fact that our better players at the moment are contracted is is a factor in that uh, that there's just not the cash to go and splash on League One footballers um, unless they really are like right out of the top draw. So like an Ivan Tony or yeah, you know, totally. We, we just and, don't have that type of player. And, do we? and as well, to be frank, and I, I, you know, not kind of blowing smoke up or our own asses, like, but there's not many clubs in the championship can offer the same overall package as as Sunderland to a player like Jordan Willis or, or Luke O'Neill, who, who yeah. obviously loves the club. You know, he's you know probably fallen in love with the club, fallen in love with the area. Willis as well is you know is prominent and respected and playing every week and, and out of contract next summer and out of contract next <laughs> summer yeah. and playing for it and. And, you know, if yeah. you look at it in those kinds of stark monetary terms, he's going to get a better wage going going next season if we don't go up uh, the, than he is if he if he takes a punt on on a, on a deal, um, you know, at the minute. There might be somebody who comes in who looks at the data, who says there's not, you know, not a better right-sided centre-back, marauding centre-back in, in the EFL and, and comes in and picks him up and adds them to the squad if there's a bit of cash floating around, but I can't see it. And like I say, I don't think as a proposition, as an employer, you're going to get better than Sunderland at the minute in terms of like your facilities, your training facilities, your fan base, the you know, just you know, the pitch you're playing on every other week. Yeah. I still hold us up as a club that really shouldn't shouldn't be losing players to many teams in the championship. Mm. It, it's funny though, isn't it? I'm just thinking it's, this is wearing in my head now. The transfer window shuts in like less than a fortnight, and I'm talking about nobody coming in for Willis. But somebody might look at that and think we're, we're desperate for a for a, a quick, powerful central defender, and he's got less than a year on his contract. Let's test Sunderland yeah, and let's try and see if they'll sell him. And I think would if anybody came in with a seven figure offer for Jordan Willis he'd be gone that's the way clubs at this level operate and it might not be the way Sunderland traditionally operate but if you sign a player on a free transfer and you can make a million pound profit on him mm-hmm. I, I think more often than not Sunderland are going to do it you know? well yeah I mean the, <laughs> they're a private business in the end and uh, and at the minute, obviously being just about kept afloat, but uh, yeah, transfer fees we've seen with the younger players, they will take, they'll they'll take the money because it's money that the owners don't have to put in. You know, if a, if a, if a if a club comes in with a few hundred thousand pound for a player, it's a few hundred thousand pound that Stuart Donald doesn't have to put out of his bank account or that's one it. story, yeah, and that's ultimately it. that's what it comes down to. Next up, I want to talk about the the, and I'm going to go to Martin on this because he was controversial on social media when he <laughs> when he commented on the state of the commentary yesterday. Now, the the club this week announced a, a load of changes to their streaming and digital offering. In the statement on the club website, it said throughout the autumn, SFC will be continuing to make significant investment to enhance its digital media offering from live streaming improvements to the launch of an official mobile app. Um, what do we reckon, Martin? Is I mean, before we even start talking about the commentary, yeah. 
yesterday. What do you reckon though? Are those necessary improvements to the offering? And I know as Exiles, you two lads know better than me just how important the streaming service the club offers is to your overall fan experience. I mean, I'm having to get used to it as somebody who lives like a stone throw from the stadium. I'm having to get used to this being the way I watch games now, like sitting in the house on my own with a cup of tea, sitting in front of, in front of the telly. It's it's not the way I like to watch games, but it's it's um it's the only way I can watch Sun and play at the minute. And you can't help but feel as a consumer that the service we've had for maybe when did I follow come in? I think when we first dropped into League One. Since since then, it maybe we haven't done enough to improve it. So yeah, do you think these are necessary improvements that are needed? I, I think it's good that they are um, recognizing the, the importance of delivering a, a probably a better product than they've, they've given before um from a, a person who, who's exiled not able to go to as many games as i would um like to and norm, normally be able to go to like i was you know I, I was pretty much unable to to watch much of the championship season which was was a blessing in disguise really um but you know every single bloody championship club has my email address and um <laughs> i still get emails from them because i i subscribed once to go and to, to watch their i follow because we, we that's couldn't right get, yeah that's um, right i still get them off redden and follow right. them <laughs> qpr yeah. are the, qpr seemed to seem quite like me I, yeah. get, I get a ton um so look, i think the the quality of the product um it's it's actually progressed since it came in like first of all i was just really happy to be able to watch something and it's it's come on you, know, you we didn't have a score in the top corner for the first year um obviously we didn't have commentary until the end of last season um so look i think all credit to them and it's 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 actually something that surprised me that they are investing in because they've pretty much got a captive market like people haven't got any other option if they want to watch the match they've got yeah. to log on to 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 this the stream haven't they no matter where they get it yeah. from it's going to be the same stream so maybe you know, maybe it's because they've looked at the numbers and they're not as good perhaps as is they should be in terms of the amount of fans we have worldwide you know well, i think yeah. it's it's got to be done on business case and that'll be it they'll have looked and they go okay well actually we're only getting 60 percent of what we estimated would would get and you know there, there are other other avenues to get the stream if you if you want it so you know they've, they've obviously looked at it and um and figured out that the need to invest to improve it to get people coming directly to to Sunderland and give money to the club because ultimately as a fan i would much rather me money be going to to the club than to a commercial tv provider or to to another source so like yeah i think it's fair play to them they need to do it but it will make a business case somewhere in, on somebody's desk or in somebody's drawer or on somebody's laptop, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the business case is clear, and I've written about this uh, quite a, a couple of times. Which is basically, if we want to retain the fan base and, and expand it, even we've got to do this. You know, it has to and it has to be done well. Obviously, there's the standard ten pound charge, and the club doesn't control that. Um, but getting value for that ten quid sat on your sofa with you know with all of the limitations of streaming over kind of live broadcast, they've got to make it a richer experience. Um, you know, there's kids who you know would go to the game and really get in you know be part of the experience who are not getting that who are sat with the their parents on the sofa and with all of the other distractions going on i know it's been like difficult to pin my 10 year old down to, to watching any of the game because there's you know other devices and stuff going on in a way that wouldn't have been the case in the in the ground and they've not just got to look at it in terms of this season but they've got to look at it in the risk to the game overall and the and the, the support base of the club overall of losing people of losing young people um in particular you know us would dedicate would be doing it for years people like me and martin have been following streams and audio commentaries and stuff for years so it's kind of we're, we're gonna do it but are the are the kids gonna do it 
so that that's a that that's a worry, and I, and I do think that it's a really uh, good decision from the club to bump up the 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 offer because if it's not enhanced, then people are going to drop away. You know, yeah. If if we're playing Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night, you know how many people. If if it is, you know, there's the bog standard one camera angle with the the Radio Newcastle commentary, which is very descriptive because it's for radio. Um, people just gonna. Can you not bother? Do something else? Mm. Watch, I don't know, Netflix or whatever? That That's the thing. They're competing against the other things that you can stream to your telly, unfortunately. That's the interesting thing, isn't it? You, know, you, you look at where the, 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 the biggest percentage of the demographic and potential audience is, and the reality is it's not people who'll climb up to the 20th story of some flats in London to, to watch two-thirds of a pitch. And it's not something that, like me, who's happy getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch a one-camera stream. It's people who are wanting to watch it for entertainment as well as because they mm-hmm. like the football club, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting, though. I've, I've heard on the grapevine um, they're going to be doing a pre-match show soon. So they, they, what mm. what we received yesterday was just the, them testing the water, I think, yeah. to see how the, the commentary went down and stuff. But they're going to be doing a pre-match show from a studio. Um, they're going to have more cameras. They're going to have um, a half-time show in a studio. They're going to have post-match studio analysis. Uh, they're going to have um, the, the studio kind of thrown to interviews with Parkinson and the players, um, all going out live. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you've just touched on, they're, they're actually competing with, with other streaming um, options, P- particularly with kids. Kids love YouTube. Mm-hmm. So if the club can can do something which ties all of that in, and it doesn't just mean they have to sit and watch the game, but before the match and after the match. And we all know how important, um, not just important, but how influential YouTube can be and, and, and Netflix. The, it's good to hear that they've got that planned. So, yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? It, it does, and I think you know, it, it's, it's really promising as well from the, the future of the club point of view, because... You know, I I kind of had, I, I still have real concerns about the club just dwindling and cutting costs left, right, and centre, and not being worried about anything else apart from minimising expenditure. So to see them actually mm. doing something that's actually that's really really positive and proactive is really reassuring for for me as a support. Like I'm sure you lads feel the mm. same as well. Mm. It's just good to see yeah. an investment in in the actual product and understanding that football is a product. It's not just what you know. It's not just the ninety minutes on the field. Mm. What about that bloody commentary, though, Martin? <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 you weren't happy with it. No, to be fair, I, I'll be honest. I'll give my ten pence. Yeah, it was interesting to hear it. It wasn't really a traditional commentary of a game. It was more like two people sitting next to each other in the pub, maybe talking about the game. But I felt that for a first goal, it wasn't too bad. I quite liked Danny Collins's analysis of the football and what was going on in and tactically why we were setting up in certain ways around set pieces and things like all the little details like that from Collins I thought were quite good um, but it wasn't traditionally something you would nah. hear I guess during a game I turned it off after about half an hour because I, I was doing <laughs> my head in and um, like I, I I quite like the two lads who, who did it um, I listened to the, um, the club po- podcast yeah. and I enjoy that I think they did a really good job on that but I, I don't want to sit next to two people in the pub talking about the game non-stop <laughs> I want to listen to the, watch the game. I want to listen to some, you know, some additional insight that I maybe miss out on or, or don't see. Which, you know, as you say, Gab, Danny Collins did, you know, give some some nice tactical insight. But um, it, it was to me, it was really distracting from the game. It was really distracting. I think you know that that co- TV commentary should complement what you can see with your eyes, not compete against it. And it, it was just too much. I slightly disagree. 
Martin, in that I, I actually it, it enhanced the game a little bit. Maybe it was just because the performance was better and there was more to talk about and there was better <laughs> football, so it kind of blended in the background for me because I was actually quite enjoying watching it. But um, yeah, I thought it wasn't as kind of descriptive. I think I said the other day the the radio commentary can be a little bit kind of it's X to Y to Z back to Y back to Z out to mm-hmm. C. Back to be, uh, it 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 wasn't quite as what you would get with Nick Barnes's commentary, which is designed for radio because that's whose pain is 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 wages and and that's kind of the main the main point of that commentary. Um, it wasn't as descriptive, which I like, but he did let the 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 kind of the pictures do a little bit of the talking. But to be to be fair, Frankie, I think it was probably his first time doing live commentary like that with a with an audience, and you know everyone everyone has to kind of. Um, feel their way into a, a new role like that, so I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I thought it was, I thought it was actually it was all right. I didn't I didn't mind it too much, mm. but um, it's personal preference, isn't it? Yeah, something different. Um, yeah, we'll move on to something different. Um, Son and ladies, Rich, you're you're quite big on keeping an eye out for the mm-hmm. ladies team on Thursday night at Stadium of Light. They ran out three two winners against Borough Women. It sounded like a a really tight game. I was trying to keep up with the commentary mm-hmm. on social media and. I was amazed really to see that we've, we've kind of fought back from, I know someone took the lead, but Middlesbrough kind of mm. felt their way into the game. And yeah, it was good to see that they'd won, you know, um, onwards and upwards for Mel Rea's side. Yeah, because it's been a really difficult start to the season. Obviously losing some of their key players, losing Bridget Galloway, I think was a massive loss over the summer. Um, but they, 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 they played well. By all accounts, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the the clip. I think probably have because it went out on our social media as a as a gif of of Maria Ferrugia's absolute stunning strike um, yeah. for her goal. And you know, I don't think many goalkeepers in any form of the game would have stopped that strike. She absolutely leathered it in the top corner. Um, I think they've they've not had the, the preseason that that other teams have had, and so they're probably just feeling their way into it. Um, but I'd like I'd like to see more of it. It would have been lovely to watch. You know, there are other teams that are, are able to stream their under twenty threes or their their women's teams live on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it was. It's actually I, I, that's another thing I'd heard that there is a plan, hopefully, to to stream the women's games oh, and twenty threes and the eighteens and stuff as part of this digital media package. Nice. Whether it happens or not, because to be fair with 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 these owners, they're full of good ideas. It's just. It's whether it happens, isn't it? But it, uh, the plan I've been told is to eventually stream those games, which yeah, and it'll can only help, help us. You know, it'll help us pe- people who who like watching women's football. Help us actually, you know, again keep interest in the game because a bit like with the the men's streaming services, it's it's about maintaining the the kind of the interest of the public in what's going on at the club overall, but also you know the 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 football and the footballers. You know, we've seen that that. Women's football attracts a different demographic, attracts families, attracts kids, uh, older fans as well, uh, and and uh, women as well, who've always made up a, a big proportion of Sunderland's fan base and season ticket holders um, with the men's side. So that's where the, the a lot of the growth in the game is. And if the club neglects that, um, they're going to be missing a trick and they'll be losing out to, 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 to clubs of our stature who yeah. have made that investment, who have committed to women's football. Um, yeah. And who see it as part of their brand, and I hate to think of football as a brand, but you know, if you look at um, Man City, obviously they're an exceptional club in general. But the 
the effort and the and the um the work they've done to develop the profile of their women's team as the elite side um in 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 English domestic women's football it's a model to 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 aim towards and if we if we're neglecting that side of the club i think we i mean in purely in business terms you're neglecting a potential revenue stream or at least a potential way of um promoting your club overall mm. Uh, by the time this goes out, obviously they'll have played away yeah. at Huddersfield, so fingers crossed. We're trying over at com really just to increase our coverage of the ladies' team so mm-hmm. people can keep an eye out for that as the season progresses. Let's move on quickly to the Carlisle game, which we play on Tuesday night. Um, because we have no league game now until we play Swindon on the 17th, I, I was wondering, Martin, should Parky go full strength? Or it's close to full strength. Obviously, we're, we're going to be without players who are on international duty um, is it is it really a case? Do we do we bring in a load of fringe players and let them have a run about, or do, you know do we try and keep some continuity? We we need to use that game to to really try to get that forward line clicking. So to my mind, you you play a, a relatively full strength team. There might be two or three players who you you switch in and out. The players who've been on the bench so far this season who who might not have had much of a kick. You you get them in, but I think it it, it you know it comes from that core eighteen nineteen twenty man squad that we have for the first team and we really need to figure out that, that front three so like to my mind you you play Danny Graham and Will Grigg up front for example and just try to get a, a system figured out where Grigg can can score because he's mm. the only player who we've got who who can score you know more than 12 a season so yeah, yeah. I would go pretty much full strength me what about the the likes of Dan Neal Jack Diamond and possibly Embleton Rich do you think they'll start do you hope they'll start I do and what I think would be the worst case scenario is we put out a, a stronger side as we can and then there's a couple of players pick up an injury that keeps them out for a month. Um, so I think we've got to look really carefully. I'm sure obviously they'll do this, but there were a couple of times I know Grant got a, a picked up some what looked like a little bit of a knock um, where he went down and looked like he was in a, in a decent amount of pain. Um, maybe we don't want to take risks with any players who might be a bit more fragile. I agree with Martin that we need uh, to kind of keep the senior players in the forward line. I do think I would like personally to see O'Brien and Grigg play together because I think O'Brien's somebody who can play, thread, thread a ball through uh, inside the box to, to someone like Grigg. So I w- I'd personally like to see that combination given 60, 65, 70 minutes. But uh, overall, I you know, I think they might be a, a sterner test than, than, than we're expecting. You know, they're, they're mid-table in League Two. And, you know, League Two isn't a, a million miles away from, from some of the teams that are going to be playing in League One. Yeah, I, I I think it'll be a test and we should use it as a test. But, you know, I couldn't care less about the trophy, to be honest. Well, yeah. So yeah. If, if he switches the 11 players and we lose 1-0, I, I really wouldn't mind. I'm, I'm on the opposite scale. It doesn't matter what game it is. I want to see us win. Um what about you, Martin? What you're hoping to see from the from the players mainly, I guess. If if in what Rich, Rich is saying there, we aren't particularly bothered about the result, which is, I guess, to an extent true. I just don't want to see us lose, but as long as we see something that we can take forward from the game, I would say. No, that's right. Like I, I'm not, I'm not bothered about the competition. Um, yeah. But as as a game, I think it's important to to see progress. And like we we played Carlisle in, in preseason, didn't we? And they they gave us a. A pretty tough game at the Stadium Light in pre-season, um, so it's, it's not going to be an easy game at all. And I, you know, I think you you want to see another clean sheet, and you want to see some goals, three or four yeah. nil, 
Yeah, but we keep doing that every week in the trophy, and we'll be uh, we'll be at Wembley. But that's you know, in front that's, of that's all a fans. risky take, isn't it? <laughs> what, what, do you know what it is? The the, the irony is we're going to win at Wembley, and there's no one <laughs> no, on no, yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> you're gonna, you've got all these see. people who have been eight times and haven't seen us win, <laughs> and we're going to friggin' win at Wembley with no fans there. You can, you know, I've never considered this. It's going to happen. That's the most sudden <laughs> yeah. thing that'll ever happen. Well, let's, let's make it the, the FA win, Cup the rather than the bloody checker trays or the EFL <laughs> trophy, rather, isn't it? I'm stumped. That's what that's going to happen. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, right, that might be a nice place to round off, well, lads. And I guess there's plenty of hotels you can watch <laughs> from high up at Wembley. Yeah, well, <laughs> get the yeah. bookings in now. Just quickly touching on the under 23s. Big round of applause to them. They got the first win I think since early 2019, beating Newcastle United's under 23s team, and it's always nice to beat the Mags. Uh, they won four nil. Who can believe that? Four nil in a game which nobody saw coming, really, particularly since Dan Neal and Jack Diamond and Brandon Taylor weren't available for Sunderland because, obviously, it, it would seem they're going to appear in the team which takes on Carlisle uh, on Tuesday night. Um, so, yeah, it was an understrength Sunderland team, although they did see the return of Benji Kimpyoka, and he got himself on the score sheet twice, one from the penalty spot, uh, and the second, which came from a corner. The other goals came from Josh Hawks, which, of course, he came in from Hartlepool during the summer, and Kieran Dunn, the fullback. Uh, just a massive win for Sunderland, really, considering they haven't won a game in, like I say, nearly two years um, to, to get on off and running in, in a game of such importance against the local rivals is huge and, you know, well done to the boys. I mean, we all have had a fair share of criticism for the team and that's fair enough. But, yeah, they deserve a bit of praise on this occasion, I think, and well done to everybody, including Elliot Dickman. I mean, he'll be over the moon just to get this newly formed team together and off and running and yeah if they're going to get off to <laughs> off to the season starting with a victory against Newcastle then that's that bodes well for the rest of the season I guess so yeah well done boys and uh, no cheers lads thanks for joining us today don't forget everyone out there that you can share this podcast on social media spread the word about the Rotor Report and RotorReport.com because obviously we love to hear from all of you um, and make sure you follow us on social media we've got accounts on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and of course, don't forget to check out the website. I know I say it often enough to you lads and, and everyone else and people maybe don't like to hear it, but all the content that goes up on our site is written by fans, just like all of us, you know, with passion and love. So please take the time to check in, leave your comments so it can help spark up a bit of debate as the week go on, because obviously we've got no game next Saturday. But yeah, cheers everyone. Thanks for listening and we will catch you all down the road. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.